Good morning. Do hope if you're a legal member, you come back for the annual business meeting tonight. It is true, I'm not going to actually be personally making the pizzas at my house. But John's going to be having all the drinks here. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so I want to welcome everyone here, of course, and welcome everyone watching online or anyone watching in the Unity Hall. I want to give a special shout out to everyone watching at Betts Nursing Home. I know you guys have been watching us every single week since the pandemic began, and um, thank you for hanging in there with us. We will be back in there, and uh, we're, we're just so glad. I just want to make sure you know we see you, I see you, we're glad you're with us, and uh, we can't wait to bring the word back to you guys. If you're in the room, would you put your hands together and just let Betts Nursing Home know we love them. So uh, the other day, I had this very wonderful experience with my four-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. I put her to sleep, and I read her a story, and she says, Daddy, sing me a song. And I said, okay. So I'm laying in her bed, and she's laying there, and she gets her head right here, and I'm right here, and, she, and I, I sing her the song, peace, peace, wonderful peace. And I'm like, I'm like right there. We're real close. You're, you know what that's like? You just get real close. It's like, oh, yeah, I love you. Coming down from the Father above. She's, she starts playing with her eye, like she's got something in her eye. She's doing that the whole time, and I finish the song. I say, honey, honey, is, is something in your eye? Is your eye okay? And she goes, uh-huh. I said, let me see your eye. And she goes, it's okay, Daddy. And I said, why do you keep rubbing your eye? And she says, I'm not rubbing my eye. I'm shielding myself from your breath. <laughs> Some people just stink. <laughs> Some people, right? Some people just stink. That made me think of, in Jesus' times, the way the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. And it wasn't like, oh man, you know, you need some banaka. It was like, I hate you. It was, it was a deep-rooted hate. And it wasn't just... Recent. It wasn't microaggressions. It was centuries old. It goes way back into the Old Testament. You see, God, God had the 12 tribes of Israel, and then they, there, was a, there was a schism. And the, the two tribes in the south, Benjamin and, and Judah, became later Judea, and the other 10 tribes were up north. It became synonymous with Samaria because Samaria was a city in the northern kingdom a very prominent city. And so that whole region was kind of called Samaria. And the northern kingdom, uh, they rejected the Old Testament. They had their own version of the Pentateuch. Um, they, they, they intermarried. And so the Jews saw the, the northern kingdom as defiling the Jewish bloodline. And so shame on them. Uh, what else did they do? In about 100 years before Jesus came on the scene here, the... Uh, the northern kingdom, in Samaria, they had put up a temple on top of a mountain to be like their version of Jerusalem. So it was like, like the anti-Jerusalem. It was like, hey, you know, they worship there, but here. So it, it was just fighting. And 100 years before Jesus came on the scene, the, the uh, I want to say prime minister, no, the, the, the head the high priest, thank you. The head priest. <laughs> Hi, where's my coffee? The head priest in Jerusalem went up into Samaria and flattened that temple. There was 
centuries of turmoil, racial turmoil, political turmoil, uh, relational turmoil, spiritual turmoil, between the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. And if, you're, if you're, you have the notes there on, on mynewhope.in, you can actually see a map. The, there was, in this whole region at the time of Jesus, the southern area, that region was Judea. That's where Jesus starts. And then there's Galilee up here, where that's where Jesus grew up, in Nazareth. And the area in the middle is Samaria. To go from Judea to Galilee, most people would think you go right through it. Right through it. Right through Samaria. But the Jews and Samaritans hated each other so much that a proper Jew, especially a Jewish rabbi, would go around Samaria, would go all the way around it, out of their way, just to avoid, you know, the stinky people, the people they they hated, the Samaritans. Jews hated Samaritans. So we're going to look at an interesting story of Jesus encountering the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, flip there to John chapter 4, or if you have the notes on your device, uh, all the scriptures are right there for you. One of the things I think is really interesting about this, you you can't miss it. John chapter 4, Jesus is meeting a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well. John chapter 3, just flip back a couple pages and you'll see it, Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus, a religious Pharisee. By any natural man's logic, Nicodemus checked all the boxes of who deserves a conversation with Jesus. He's at the right place. He's a man. He's, he's got a position. He has a life to back up his, his faith. He checks all these boxes. But now Jesus is going to a woman, a Pharisee, not Pharisee, a Samaritan woman, all the opposite things that Nicodemus is not. Moral of the story, both need the grace of the Lord. But they handled it differently, as we'll see. Okay, so if you're in John chapter 4, are you ready for me to read? Say, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees, would you say that to the person next to you? Say, Pharisees. Type it in the chat. Pharisees. The Pharisees, so these are religious leaders, had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. The Baptist, John the Baptizer. How many know if you, if you are baptizing more people than someone known to be the baptizer? That's going to get some attention. Verse 2, although it was in fact not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. Verse 3, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. I think that's interesting. The Bible says he had to go through Samaria. The CEO of universe had to? He could do anything he wants. Why did he have to? Why did he have to? It, this is breaking a cultural norm for him to go through. He should have, if he's you know, a Jewish rabbi, he should have gone around Samaria. But here it says he had to. Why? Why did he have to? You may say he had to have a conversation with the woman. Yeah, yeah, maybe he had to. I find it a little funny. I think the I think the first verse sheds a little light on this. The Pharisees learned that he was gaining and baptizing more people than John the Baptist. He was gaining attention of the Pharisees, and he wasn't ready for all that to go down because the Pharisees wound up, you know, you know the story. He dies on a cross. You heard it. If you haven't, we'll help you. Um, 
So he's not ready for the whole Pharisee attention. So he's got to get away from him. So where does he go? Where they will never, right into the middle of Samaria. This was so unusual that I don't know that this happened, but I think it happened. When Jesus told his disciples, hey guys, we're going to go to Samaria, Matthew said, which area? To which Jesus replied, no, 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 not some area. Samaria. <laughs> come on, come on. That was, oh, get, that was funny, man, come on. Most would avoid Samaria, but Jesus, he went out of his way. That's number one. Jesus will go out of his way to move towards the needs of the hurting. Jesus, that's not the one. Nope, do the other one. Jesus will go out of his way to move towards the needs of the hurting. Most would avoid Samaria, but not Jesus. He went right for it because he's willing to avoid religious drama in order to get to the hurting. Do we have any religious drama in the Christian church today? We need more churches to be known for what they believe. We need more churches to be known for, what they, for their love than for what they're against. I heard a story one time of a, of a woman who, uh, she, she, when she was a little girl, she went to church for a few years, but then stopped around the age of 10. And when she was in her young 20s, she hit some hard times and she decided she was going to go back to church. So she went to the only church she ever knew, the one that she grew up in. And she went back to that church and she wore the nicest thing she had. And her, her jeans were probably a little too tight. Her shirt was a little too low. And the preacher went to her after the service and said, Miss, I hope you go home today and have a talk with God. I want you to ask God how he wants you to dress when you come to church here next week. You go have a talk with God about that. She, uh, she went home and the next week, the preacher was appalled. She showed up in the same outfit. And he thought enough of it, enough. When he was done preaching, he just couldn't believe what he was saying. When he was done preaching, he went out, met her in the parking lot and said, Miss, I thought I told you to, to ask God how he wanted you to dress when you come to church here. And she said, I did. I did, I asked God. And he said, oh, uh, well, uh, what, 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 what'd he say? And the woman said, well, I, I asked God, how do you want me to dress when I go to this church. And he said he didn't know. He's never been there. <laughs> we need a little, that's a joke. It didn't really happen. <laughs> I had you going, though. We need to be known for our love and not what we're against, don't we? Jesus said, they will know my disciples by their love, by their love. We need a little less religious drama. Jesus went out of the way, fled religious drama, fled the religious folk to get to what really mattered, the hurting people. Are we the Jews in the story? Are we the Pharisees in this story? Are there any types of people that we would have a hard time sharing Jesus with? Is there anybody in your life that you would have a hard time loving?
in this story, we see an example of Jesus going straight towards someone that was the wrong race, the wrong religion, the wrong reputation, the wrong behaviors, the wrong sex, the wrong education, the wrong lifestyle, the wrong politics, the wrong thinking, the wrong decisions. None of that mattered to Jesus. He went out of his way. He broke cultural norms. It was really quite scandalous. He went right into Samaria. None of that mattered. What mattered was him reaching the hurting people. And that's what should matter to you and me. Somebody say preach it. Because that was good. Let's go on with our story. Verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus... Tired as he was. I love that Jesus got tired. Shows me he understands life as a human. He was fully man. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon. Why do you suppose those last four words exist in Scripture? They were preserved for 2,000 years. They have to be important. It was about noon. See, in the time and in that place... Nobody went to a well at noon. It was way too hot in the desert. If you wanted water, you went early in the morning, you went later in the evening. So anybody there at noon is either on a journey, like Jesus, or if you're from the town and you go out to the well, you don't want to be seen. The woman at the well either was an outcast or wanted to be left alone. She goes out when nobody's going to be around. Some of us here in this room, I think, may like to be left alone. We say you're dismissed and within three seconds, in your car you are, want to be left alone. That's okay. We're glad you're here. I want you here. But Jesus doesn't want to leave you alone. He wants to go to you. He's going to go wherever you are. He's going to follow you around. Maybe you're watching online today uh, and you want to be left alone. I encourage you, if you're online and unknown, take the step to online and known. Take a step. Get in the chat. Say something. Ask a prayer request. We have people right now that will pray with you. But take another step and be known. Jesus is not content just letting us be unknown. He wants to know us, and he's going to go after us. Do you believe that? He loves us, and he wants to go after us. And here, Jesus... Committed scandal, really? How scandalous is this for Jesus to go into Samaria? I can't believe he'd do such a thing. That's what all the religious people are saying. I can't believe he'd do that. But he would do it to get to the hurting person. All right, let's keep going. Jesus, he's sitting there, he's waiting. Who's he waiting for? Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, he's waiting for a Samaritan woman. Plot twist. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Here's number two. When Jesus asks something from you, he wants something for you. If you know your Old Testament stories, you would would remember one where Moses was was in the desert, and he took a stick and he whacked a rock, and water came out. So do you suppose that the man who gave Moses that power could do the same? 
Like, like he could have just picked up a little pebble and been like, I'm thirsty. <laughs> there could have been a sequel to the Moses deal. He could have done it. But instead, he's sitting here and he waits for a Samaritan woman and he asks her, will you give me a drink? He didn't need her to provide the water. He could have provided it himself. But he asks something from her. Why? Anytime Jesus asks something from us, it's because he wants something for us. Matthew chapter 5, we see a section of scripture where Jesus teaches the Beatitudes. And one of them is one of the last ones. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I wonder, I, I just think about that, the pure in heart. How do you become pure in heart? You don't get to be pure in heart unless Jesus asks something from you. Live holy. Don't do that. Do this instead. When he asks that from you, He's not trying to, you know, cramp your style. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He wants something for you. All the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 are about God favoring those who give up a cultural norm to adapt kingdom culture in order to receive spiritual blessing. The Beatitudes can be summarized with, blessed are those who don't do what everyone else did, for they'll be blessed. He wants to put something inside of us, and he can't unless the gunk is removed and given to him. So what's Jesus ask of you today? What's he asking from you? Remember, anytime Jesus asks something from you, it's because he wants something for you. I believe scripture teaches proportionate giving. You should give according to his own income. My wife and I, we tithe and do above and beyond that. Why? Is he being mean? Is God being mean to me? No. Scripture teaches thoroughly. Where, where a man's treasure, where his heart is, there his treasure will be also. I might have gotten that backwards, but you get the idea. He wants our heart. He doesn't, Jesus could make, he could mint money. He doesn't need money. He wants your heart. Anytime he has something from you, it's because he wants something for you. If he has your heart, that's good for you. Isn't it? That's good for you. He says, serve me. That's what he might be saying to you. What's Jesus saying to you? Maybe he's asking from you service. Why? Because he needs your help? Or because he wants to bless you? He wants to bless other people through you. He wants, to, 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 he wants you to be a part of the kingdom. We saw that Jesus loves to include people in the kingdom. I love it was verse 2 or 3 in John chapter 4. We just read it. The Pharisees were like, oh, Jesus is baptizing too many people, although it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. Jesus wants to use us. He wants to include us into his kingdom. That's good for me. Maybe Jesus wants from you. He's saying to you today, start this spiritual discipline. You need to pray every day. You need to read your Bible every day. Is that because he's trying to be a downer and take away your video game time? Or because by doing this, you experience him more and you have a better relationship with him. If he's asking something from you, it's really for you. He wants it for you. So what's God asking from you today? To tithe, to serve, 
to give something up, to abstain, to start a spiritual discipline. Remember, he wants it for you, not just from you. All right, so Jesus asked this woman for some water. Will you please give me some water? Verse 9, we're going to continue. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Obvious, that's the monkey in the room. How can you ask me for a drink? Just in case you didn't know, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I just imagine her putting her hand on a hip and having a little bit of attitude. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than Father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Here's number three. Forget about your bucket. Jesus is the well. Forget about your bucket. Jesus is the well. So here in this story, we, we, we have a woman who came to a well, and she met a well. She came to a well, and she met a well, is what Jesus said. He's essentially saying, like, you're looking at the right spot. Like, I'm what you want. If you want to be satisfied, you see, she, she came that, that day thirsty. She wanted something. And she got her bucket, and it looked like this. It didn't. It was clay. But she got her jar, and she decided she was going to get some water to take it back. And she wants some H2O. She's unsatisfied. She wants to quench her thirst. So she's looking for something that will satisfy her. So she goes to the well where she knows that there's water that will satisfy her. She's looking for whatever will satisfy her. And she gets there. This woman went through her whole life trying to be satisfied. As we will later see, she lived in a moral life trying to get satisfied. I wonder if we do this. We go out through our life with our bucket and we want to get satisfied. So, you know, I, you know I, maybe I need a bigger bucket. Maybe I need more. Maybe I need more, more affluence. I needed a more affluent bucket. Or I need a, a, a bucket of mind-numbing internet scrolling. I need, a bucket of, I need a bucket of beer is what I need. I just need to numb my problems away or, 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 or the porn bucket or, or the, the, the shinier bucket or the spend more money bucket. We go through life trying new buckets to see what's going to satisfy us. But Jesus says, you're not satisfied because you got the wrong bucket. You're not satisfied because you're at the wrong well. I'm the well. Forget about the bucket. Jesus is the well. Jesus is the well. So which well have you been dipping from today? What have you been using to try to satisfy yourself? And I would... I would wager for, for most of us, you know, this is church, there's a lot of Christians here. I would wager for most of us, we'd like to say, Jesus, the Bible, prayer, church. Good. But if there's a comma and an and, you're wrong. Because Jesus plus anything is never correct. We need Jesus. Jesus is the well. 
Let's continue the story in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's not getting it. She still thinks it's about the bucket. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Ooh, she's walking right into it. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not even your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Boy, verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. What a deflection. She's a professional deflector right here. Jesus said, Oh, that's right. Very, very true. You don't have a husband. You've had five, and the guy you're with right now ain't even your husband. And she says, let me just bring up the most controversial religious thing that I can think of. <laughs> this, this is the replacement for Jerusalem, right? What do you say? I think he's going to buy it. What a deflection. Do you ever deflect what God's saying to you? When you're reading your Bible, you know, and you get to whatever the verse is that God speaks to you, and you feel the Lord say, oh, oh, you know you can keep reading. Or you can stop and say, oh, God, I hear you. Don't deflect. Don't deflect. God wants to highlight things in our life to grow us. All right, verse 21. Woman. Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You're all wrong. All the denominations are getting it wrong. You're not seeing it right. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Here's number four. God will bypass what you hope for to give you what you need. God will bypass what you hope for to give you what you need. The woman came to the well hoping for some H2O water. Jesus just bypassed it to give her what she really needed, to give her what she really needed. See, Jesus wanted to dig a well inside of her. The woman had some things she wanted to hide. There were some things she didn't want to talk about. There were some things she didn't want anyone to know. So she goes to the well in the sweltering heat when nobody else would be there so she could have some peace and quiet. Nobody, nobody looking at her. No one knowing her biz. And there's Jesus wanting to get all up in her biz. He wants to dig a well within us. Jesus digs pretty deep wells. See, she thought she needed water. She went to the well thinking she needed water. Maybe, maybe you thought you needed to be more popular. You thought you needed to say things or do things at work or school in order to, to you know, fit in with people. Maybe you thought that. Maybe you thought you needed a better job to be satisfied. If I just had a different job, I'd be satisfied. Maybe you, maybe you thought if I just had a different wife, 
If I had a different husband, if I had a different partner, that'll satisfy me. Maybe you thought you needed more money. Maybe you thought you, you need to be, it's not always bad. Maybe you thought you needed to be more religious. If I just check my Bible off every day, I read it every day, then I'll be satisfied. Not good enough. John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Not good enough. Religious stuff, not good enough. What matters is a pure, holy, humble, intimate relationship with Jesus. It's the well himself digging a well inside me that's essential. He wants to know me. So what's the sediment that needs to come up in you for there to be a well? Wells have to be dug, you know. What's the sediment that has to come up? What is it you think you need in your life that's not really centered in Jesus? Perhaps it's religious. Is your Bible reading merely check marks off of a page, something to cross off? Or is it, I'm going to pick up this Bible to encounter the spirit of the living God? Let's lean in towards him more. Okay, verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, say it to the person next to you, type it in the chat. When he comes, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I like to think he said this in a James Earl Jones voice. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Or maybe it was like, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And then he reached back and he had a microphone in his back pocket and he picked it up and he dropped it. (laughs) Didn't happen. It's a joke. Here's number five. Don't put off your relationship with God. Don't put off your relationship with God. See, uh, See, this woman says, says, when he comes, newsflash, he's here, now's the time, hello, woman, when he comes, then I'll figure it out. You know, this is a common human characteristic. Anytime that, that we start to get our stuff together, one of the first things we'll do is we'll put it off into the future. Like, I know what I need to do, I just need to do it. Anyone ever said that? I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. Maybe, maybe, that's said a lot when it comes to losing weight. Like, I know, I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. I just, I mean, I got to go to the gym. I know, I know I need to do it. I just got to do it. The assumption is someday you will. You know, some, someday something will change. Do we do that with our relationship with God? When he comes. When, when he comes. I, I know I need to, you know, put God first in my life. Someday I will. I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. Don't put off your relationship with God. Because, hello, he's here. He's here. Do you believe that? He's here. Where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of us. One, two, three. Good, we're good. He's here. What are we waiting for? He's here. The time is now. Don't put off your relationship 
with God. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to ask my boyfriend to come to church with me. I'm going to volunteer and serve for something. I'm going to give proportionally according to my income. I'm going to do that thing that God put on my heart. Gonna doesn't get her done. Don't put off your relationship with God. Messiah is here. He's the one. And Jesus says, I am he, the one speaking to you, the one here. Now, I am he. And what she do? She was ready to follow Jesus. That's all it was. She was ready. She didn't have time to go get her stuff together. She didn't have time to fix all her problems. She didn't have time to fix her relationships. She didn't even have time to pick up her bucket. She just went. Verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, she left it. Didn't even have time to get it. She left the whole reason she was there, leaving her water jar. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Jump to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. How great is this? Jesus uses a Samaritan woman, worthless in Jewish culture. Jesus uses a Samaritan woman to reach the Samaritans. Scandalous. This story is a three-parter. She came to a well. She met a well. She became a well. She came to a well. She met a well. And she became a well. She didn't need her bucket. Why? Because she was carrying around the living water inside of her. She didn't need the bucket. What Jesus said was going to happen, happened. She didn't need her bucket. She had living water. How interesting is it that God was able to do this with the Samaritans when he couldn't do it with the Pharisees? Nicodemus and the Pharisees, they check every box of people that deserve to have the Messiah revealed to them. Every box. They're the right everything. But in John chapter 3, we have no record of Nicodemus actually believing that Jesus was Messiah. We have no record of that. But here in John chapter 4, the woman at the well was the opposite of everything Nicodemus was. She was a woman. She was in the wrong place. She had the wrong education. She had the wrong faith. She had the wrong parents. She had the wrong behaviors of life. She had the wrong everything. But God was able to use her. Why, 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 why? Humility. She was open to having a a hole dug. She was open and humble enough to allow the Holy Spirit to dig a well. Are we open enough to have the Holy Spirit dig a well? It wasn't just her. It was the Samaritans. That whole group, they jumped at it. They jumped at the chance. Oh, I heard about Messiah. Really? 
and they all turned into a well. Why humility? Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? Jesus took the living water of eternal life and placed it inside this woman who by all of man's standards didn't deserve it. But Jesus thought a little different about the whole situation. And he will today take the living water of eternal life to those who were humble enough to allow a well to be dug inside of them. Can we just prep our hearts here? Let's just sing this together. 